Hello, and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts, the flagship edition. I'm your host, Joe Fortunato, joined as usual by my host, Michael Murphy. Hi, Joe. How are you? Um, Mike, I am great. It is Tuesday evening. We did not record on Monday because Mike was a big shot and thought he was better than the rest of us. I went to a sports analytics meetup in the city, Um, got to meet a lot of fun and interesting people, hung out with Shayna. Um, met a lot of fun people, so that was fun. Well, look at you. And right now I can't find a bottle opener for my beer. Right, so Mike is... was going to use his body to open it. Um, welcome. Have you mm. seen people use the, like, I've seen people do, like, the, uh, your eye socket and, like, yeah. It's like a... Yeah, you, there's something significantly wrong with people who use their eye sockets to open up. It just seems like poor planning and poor. Yeah, you're just a poor understanding of how I, I, valuable the human eye is. I mean, this is also it's it's a carbonated drink. Not that I've ever seen a, a bottle cap come flying off, but no, you don't know what's going to happen. you have no idea. What if it gets in your eye? Could get in your fucking eye. You have no idea. Recently, I ruined a T-shirt because I I wrapped the. Uh, you know, like I put the bottle cap under the t-shirt because it was kind of slippery and it was just a twist off. And in the process of twisting it, like I, the, the edges on the bottle cap shredded my t-shirt and I was pretty bummed. Was and t-shirt. that can happen to your ocular lobe, yeah. which you'd prefer to not have happen, I think is really the intelligent cavity. thing. Yes, yeah. Sir. So don't do that. That's um, for this, for this week's episode. The more you know... And then imagine a star is flying by, or maybe inside your ear. I don't know. Anyway, this is the flagship program. We, Mike and I have been blessed the past month and a half, where we have had shit to talk about every single show, and that run has come to an expected, but still very sad end. This week, as yeah, we have a little bit of a Panarin a little, free agency a, a hangover, and tiny touch. Yeah, just like okay, that happened, and now we're kind of digesting and processing what it means to have. You know, seven years of Artemi Panarin at eleven point six, you know, on the cap, and I really feel like the big thing, the big topic, is it's feels like you know Adam wrote for Banter about how it makes sense now for the Rangers to kind of move on from Chris Kreider, and we know as you wrote Joe that uh, the Rangers were shopping him on draft day, especially linked to to Colorado, like that was a thing and. It might not have been a very good thing that uh, that became you know public information, and that might have uh, definitely not flown over well with. Right. I, I, I did write those very smart yeah. things, Michael. I appreciate you for. Uh, Brooks is saying no. Now is the best time to keep Kreider. I don't. Think, I and that I feel like is something we can talk about, right? Like, can I just say, Larry Brooks? Um, he's got his finger on the pulse of. Rangers social media. I think that's very fair to say because the man he knows how to how to whip people into a frenzy. And um, one of the things that I he, he wrote an article right after the Rangers got Panarin that basically, hey, you still need to be, you know, you still need to kind of temper expectations and sort of insinuated the Rangers might be a couple of years away. And then in the same sentence, he's talking about keeping Chris Kreider because you have to. And I just, everything, like, things can be true at the same time. Keeping Kreider because you're three years away is not, that doesn't make sense. Those two things don't exist in the same realm. You don't go after Panarin if 
you think the Rangers are three years away. The Rangers certainly don't think they're three years away. And, and I'm talking about general contention, not necessarily, you know, pure Stanley Cup contention. But really the question with Chris Kreider, and this is what it's going to come down to, and these are some of the things that we've had discussions about and we will continue to have discussions about. When you're paying him, he's going to be 29 when that contract extension kicks in. Are you paying him for two years of service in a contention window? Are you paying him when he's 33 plus in a contention window? There's plenty of evidence that Crowder has learned how to turn his game into not necessarily speed reliance, but a little bit more of that in front of the net, and he doesn't necessarily need his first step to create offense. But all of the things that Chris Crowder does really well, it should make you a little nervous to sign him to a seven or an eight-year deal. And if I'm Crowder, there's no way... I look at the deals that Kevin Hayes and Anders Lee signed and don't think I'm getting that much money, especially next year when the cap maybe goes up and then the new TV deal is going to kick in in two years. And are you comfortable giving him that type of money? I mean, that's you could be talking about an on the highest end, an eight year, what fifty seven million dollar contract, sixty million dollar contract. That's on the highest end. You're upping near eight million dollars there, and it likely would not be that high. But, whew, that's a lot of money for Chris Kreider. It feels like a lot of money, right? And I know, you know, if you take a deeper look at the numbers, Kreider is just, generally speaking, a better player than Andres Lee. He's just a more well-rounded player. He does more th- He's better in, in more versatile ways in the offensive zone in terms of being less of a one-trick pony. Like, Andres Lee is a net front presence and a very good one, um, but he doesn't really excel in terms of creating his own offense, especially compared to what we saw, you know, Andres Lee with uh, John Tavares and Andres Lee without, right? Like, we talked about that deal, I think, uh, on last week's flagship show when when we discussed uh, that contract and the Islanders kind of missing out on Panarin and then, uh, you know, having to, you know, kind of settle for... Maybe that's not the most fair word, but in some ways that feels like what kind of happened. It feels like, you know, that was a team that maybe should have really strongly considered offer sheets, um, but that's not what happened. Um, and looking at this Kreider situation, it's tough because Kreider is a popular player, and there's a lot of other things, at, at, you know, kind of on the table here that, you know... He's handsome. Our attention. He's a model. But, but no, but, like, to be serious, he... Like, it's really, in my opinion, it's him and Mika in terms of who the next captain of the team could be. Like... Crowder's been around long enough. He's he checks off a lot of boxes in terms of the way he plays and all of that. But you know, you also look at this stuff like, oh, you know, where was what happened to his game when he got hurt, and where's the consistency been for him? And you know, he has all this talent and all the skill, and you know, he's coming off of really just a sweetheart deal, right? Like the deal he's on now uh, that will expire uh, a year from now is an amazing deal. To have Chris Kreider under $5 million is really, really great. And, you know, locking him up is is interesting to me because I was looking at this. I wrote something for the banter about the Rangers' current cap crunch because, you know, I don't think it's time, and I'm sure you would agree with me, Joe, it's not time to start sweating bullets about uh, Truba not being extended just yet. Like, you know, with each passing, you know, couple days i think you know you can start to raise your eyebrow and be like oh it would be nice if this deal got done 
Uh, but I don't think it's anything to worry about up until we get a little too close to his arbitration date, which is set. Yeah, we've um, uh, d- before we kind of dig into that, and that will be the meat of this show. I'm sure this will be one of our shorter flagships because, well, we don't have a ton to talk about. Um, but w- one of the things that I, I, I really think you need to keep in mind is the Rangers were all in on Panarin, and that was really a, a figure it was like a week and a half endeavor. And they finally get that done. There were trades involved that had to do with that with Jimmy VC. Um, Gorton is probably still working the phone lines trying to figure everything out. The Rangers probably wanted somebody to file for arbitration, which might be part of the delay. Remember that, you know, you're not exactly going out there and saying to yourself, oh, we're not going to negotiate with these guys. Guys file for arbitration automatically. Um, They do it because it's the only leverage that they have in this situation. There's no reason for them not to. If an agent doesn't file for arbitration for their player when they have the ability to, even if negotiations are 99.9% done, he should be fired. There's no reason not to. The Rangers get a secondary buyout window. I believe it's 72 hours. Mike, correct me if I'm wrong when you're done yelling at me in the chat. Um... I believe it is 72 hours. It happens at the very end of arbitration, so it'll probably be the last week of August, I think. Um, But I'm kind of talking out of my ass on this one. But the Rangers will have the ability to make a decision on Shattenkirk or Smith, and maybe there's other decisions that they want to make. Ryan Strom, I don't think, is eligible. I think you need to be making a hair over $3.4 million and be on the reserve list by the trade deadline, which is not Strom. He's making 3.1. But Smith and Shattenkirk are certainly options for the New York Rangers there if they decide to go down that road, which I wouldn't, but that's me. Um, You file for arbitration because you have to. And the Rangers are probably still negotiating with them. We've heard nothing from either camp that either side is upset with the other. We've heard nothing from either camp. And this is Buchnevich and Truba, since they're the only guys who were eligible for arbitration that filed, or at least of note, um, that insinuates that they're they're not negotiating through the media. Everybody expects Truba to get a seven-year deal worth anywhere from six and a half on the absolute lowest end to seven and a half on the absolute highest end. Everybody's expecting Buchnevich to get a bridge deal somewhere around, I would say, three on the low end to 3.5 on the high end. These numbers are not ridiculous. Um, They still have to work out things with D'Angelo. They still need to work out things with Lemieux. And one other little wrinkle when you can... Yeah, yeah, but the the other wrinkle to this that I think is critical, you cannot be offer-sheeted. And normally this is a rare occurrence, but the Canadians tried miserably, but they tried. You cannot be offer-sheeted once you've filed for arbitration. You're no longer offer-sheet eligible. But D'Angelo and Lemieux are still eligible for offer sheets. So there is something to be said for them being the priority negotiations because theoretically an offer sheet should come. And if you and I are being honest with one another, those are exactly the players that offer sheets are meant for. You're not paying the boat on a guy like D'Angelo if you give him a four and a half million dollar deal and the Rangers are getting paltry compensation compared to what they might think he's worth, Lemieux even less so. Um, you could probably get the Rangers to not match for Lemieux with 2.5 million, I would hope, or maybe even 3 million. So um, just, yeah, there's definitely... There's reasons why they would be on the back end, but that's all it is. It's not, you should have no concerns about Truba or Buchnevich signing with the New York Rangers. Yeah, that's, there's nothing to worry about there. The thing I was saying before, uh, before you, you, you made sure to kind of touch on what I'm sure will be the bulk of the show is it's something that's pretty interesting to me is the idea of, let's say Kreider comes in at like 6.5 or 6.75. 
the Rangers would have more money tied up in their top two left wingers than any other team in the league. Of course, you know, we have to think about, you know, teams that may have signed guys and I haven't had a chance to look at like, uh, you know, the, the percentage of the cap and, and all that. But like you look at what uh, specifically, you know, the amount of money that Toronto has tied up in Austin Matthews and John Tavares, you know, as your, as your 1C, 2C. And, you know, that's, I think it's combined, it's like 22.6 million. Um, so if the Rangers have Kreider at around 6.75 or somewhere in that neighborhood, all of a sudden you have $18 million tied up on your, on two wingers who play the same position who are roughly the same age. And, you know, it begs the question like all right well who's going to be that 2c and how long you know the good thing here for the rangers is that a lot of the a lot of the cap problems that are around right now will be solved by this time next year because uh the bulk of that dan girardi buyout penalty as you and i have discussed before comes off the books and also there's the potential of the cap increasing which is also a good thing. And then another year from now, um, or another year from that, two years from now, the entire situation of the Rangers' salary cap drastically changes. There's just not that many guys on this team that are signed long-term. Like, for the most part, it's Zibanejad, Panarin, and Brady Shea. Like, that, that's the the guys on the, that are signed beyond the next three years. So it's it's a little silly to get too worried about you know who we extend, especially for someone like Kreider. But uh, it is it is important to keep in mind. There's a lot of stuff to keep in mind with you know the, the expansion draft and you know what sort of term you you give Kreider, like or the terms of his deal. You know, do you give him protection from that, and what does that mean for guys who you might have to expose, and who even are those players? Because so many of the players on this team are so young. Um, you might have to you might have to think about all those things on top of all these other factors and I feel like that is kind of now that the Panarin situation is settled like the defining the last two big defining moments of this Rangers offseason are the fate of Chris Kreider and the Jacob Truba contract and if you want to throw the third one in there Joe I think the next contract that D'Angelo gets is going to be a particularly interesting one I'm of the opinion you just give him a one or two year deal and you know even if that means you you end up paying more than you want to later, that's, that is what it is. Because the fact of the matter is, he's just not... This time last year, he was so much more important. Now the Rangers have Truba and Fox. I'm not terribly concerned if I mismanage <sighs> D'Angelo by giving him too short of a deal. See, this is... I believe firmly that D'Angelo was getting a bridge deal regardless of who they yeah. brought in over the offseason. Um, he was not arbitration eligible, I believe, so he's not on that list for that reason. Otherwise, he certainly would. There's no reason not to. Um, he's still a guy who had half, he had 0.5 points per game with the Rangers last year with the demotions, with Quinn getting his head on straight, with sort of this fatherly figure that Quinn became for him. Yeah. A lot of us are penciling Fox into the lineup, and I, I got into this this debate on Twitter. I would be shocked if Fox did not make the team. I would be shocked if Fox did not start on the opening night roster, if he wasn't part of a power play unit. But there is something to be said for the fact that Anthony D'Angelo made the power play much better than it was without him. I know M- Neil Pionk... Right, I know Neil Pionk had his moments and his metrics look amazing, but 
a lot of Neil Pionk's offense, and really, this is not the shit on Neil Pionk hour, but a lot of the offense that came from Neil Pionk on, on the power play was simple stuff. I think we even talked about this. Like, yeah. Pionk throws pucks on the net. Guys get rebounds. They score. D'Angelo moves the puck better. The power play flows with him. And you need guys who can do that. I don't care if... He's a zone exit see, wizard. He truly to is me, an elite player moving the puck. D'Angelo... If D'Angelo and Fox are your your power play specialists, quote unquote, Truba can be that guy, but he doesn't have to be. And it comes back to this: Do you want to overuse him the way the Rangers did with McDonough, where McDonough led the team in power play minutes, five on five minutes, and shorthanded minutes? You, you don't want to do that. So if you can give him a little breathing room, you, you just don't give up on talent. Any trade the Rangers make for Anthony D'Angelo right now, they're going to be selling low. Even after the year he had, the stigma still exists. There's still the reputation around him. There's still this sort of uneasiness about whether or not you know he, he's mentally there. And, and you, you just there's no reason for him not to get a bridge deal. You want to sign him long term for a, a shorter cap hit, fine. But I doubt you're going to be able to give him a two year deal. And then I make a decision after the fact because, like Mike said, you, you're going to know what you have in Fox by then. You're still going to have Truba, Keandre Miller, Niles Lundquist. Is it Nils Lundquist or Niles? I think it might be Nils. I've heard both. You're, it's both? No, I've N- heard both because, you know, there's the Anglo-sized, like it's the Shostyorkin or Shosturkin. Right. Um, you know, it just kind of happens. Nils like, sounds like more Swedish Joel than Lundquist, Niles. But I think it's technically like Joel Lundquist. <laughs> So, regardless, you're going to have both of them. Maybe Zach Jones makes a push in two years. I kind of doubt it'll be that quick. Matt Robinson, you don't know. So, yeah, give him two years and then figure it out as you go. The cap will go up. You can figure out what you have. So, I'm not totally worried about D'Angelo in that respect either. I don't think there's much of a reason to be. But I, I don't understand the, well, he's expendable now. I get that he may be more expendable. Yeah, he, but for the, my, I don't think he's completely expendable. I just think he's... Now, I wasn't saying you did either, by the way. Less important than maybe he was this time last Right. Time. A D'Angelo trade is far more feasible now than it was a month ago. Or but I, I, I still think you, you, you finally have a little bit of stability on defense. You have a young core that can grow into something really special. And for all the bullshit that D'Angelo brought to the team and all the stuff that Quinn worked out of him, and I think it's fair to say that the last three to four weeks of hockey were D'Angelo's best, that as the season went on, D'Angelo really kind of came into his own. He needed some you know, beatings every now and again from Quinn, some discipline, but he got himself there. He's a There's a quality hockey player in there. And there's a really special hockey player in there. And I don't know if we're too far away from seeing that really special hockey player. But if D'Angelo is what he was last year for his career, he's a point-per-every-other-game defenseman who was by far and away the Rangers' best defenseman last year, 5v5. Now, that probably won't be the case with the upgrades the Rangers made on defense for long. But that's true. You can make all the arguments you want about Tony D'Angelo he was the Rangers' best 5v5 defenseman last year, bar none, hands down. So I don't expect that to be an issue. Mike, you brought up Lemieux. I fully agree. I think Lemieux is, I mean, it should how, it should be absolutely. Like, I'm actually genuinely surprised that contract isn't done yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know if he's represented by his dad or not. I haven't looked at that, but... uh 
Yeah, that is one where just like, okay, you know, he's just get him for one year at, you know, under one mil or around one mil and kind of call it a day. He's a guy who has to kind of prove that he's more than just the, the sandpaper player in the Rangers' bottom six. And really, it's I think it's kind of important in a lot of ways to kind of figure out the guys who we have in the bottom six to get a better idea of, you know, how we can plug in these these kids in, in, in the top six, you know, with or without Kreider, however you want to look at it. Um, but, yeah, that's the... The Lemieux thing is not worrisome to me. The Evolving Wilds Twins, uh, you know, contract projection for D'Angelo only makes me nervous because the amount of production he's had makes him, for a lot of teams, a guy who you might consider doing that, like, four-year deal now. And I just, I'm not ready to do that with D'Angelo, especially with Truba and Adam Fox and, frankly, Kevin Shattenkirk still here. Um... And if you could get D'Angelo on a four-year, $12 million deal, would you do it? Ooh, I think I would. I think I'd do it, but I don't think that's I don't think that's what the Twins have him projected at. Um, well, first of all, who cares what the Twins have him projected at? I do. Uh, okay. They're very good. Hockey is not negotiated on paper. What do the Twins have him projected at? Uh, I'd have to look. So I'm obviously kidding, by the way. I love you the Twins. Are talk great. Time while I, look I can feel. I listen. I live my life filling time. Um, I think I would if so. If it, the only reason why a guy like D'Angelo would take something like that, and there may be an opportunity for the Rangers to kind of have this discussion with him, where you know what, we are going to take your AAV down a little bit. Okay, your yearly salary is going to go down, but I'm going to guarantee you 12 million, where otherwise I'm giving you, you know, six or seven million dollars. And for a guy like D'Angelo, who maybe doesn't know if he's going to stick around in the NHL, this is his kind of, this is his third stop in as many years. Now, he very well kind of proved that he was certainly an NHL defenseman last year, but he might want that guaranteed money. He might not. He might want to take a risk on himself, and that's totally fine, but it might be worth having the conversation. The Twins would have him at 3.6 for four years um, and. 4.6 4.6 or 6 years. Right. So if you. 3 million isn't a total jump. For, we just saw fucking LeBlanc sign a one year, $1 million deal, which is the craziest cap circumvention I've ever seen in my life, but also an enormous risk for him because if he gets hurt, who knows? But the fact of the matter is that that opportunity is there for the Rangers. And. Maybe D'Angelo doesn't want to take it, but that's really the only way that I go long-term on D'Angelo is, is a deal like that. Otherwise, you do a two-year deal because you need the flexibility down the road. Maybe the Rangers do need to sign him, and they rue the day that they did a two-year deal, and you know, the next thing you know that they're, they're trying to figure out how to squeeze him under the cap at $7.5 million because he's been that good, God willing. But yeah, in two years, be, to me, that would be the best-case scenario. That would also be two years from now when the Rangers will have a buttload of cap open up. Right. You lose Lundqvist, Shattenkirk, Smith, Stall. Stall. It's twenty-five million dollars that comes yeah, off the books a in lot two years. Of money. Um, so you could make that decision if you had to, and hopefully the cap goes up because the new TV deal is going to come through, and hopefully and there's t- no lockout. You know what? You tell them like, listen, Tony, here's a two-year bridge deal. We will have room for you on a big on a big contract. The contract if you take care of your shit when you were a first-round pick over the next two years with David Quinn. You prove prove to us you can be the player we think you can be, and then he can be a guy who maybe makes five million a year, and that might be a crazy thing to think uh, if he's someone who's 
you know, on the third pair as a power play specialist, but you know, if he continues to put up the sort of numbers he puts up, he could be a four point five million, five million guy. Like could be more. I mean, if he's putting up forty to forty five points a year, yeah, he's going to be making money. There's going to be no. Remember, we had a. I forget who did it. Someone who did a great job. Um, it was a project where uh, tracking zone exits and entries, and like it was Connor McDavid, and then like the the best defenseman in the league. Might have been Corey. It might have been Corey, the best defenseman in the league in terms of just zone exits, just the ability to take the puck when it's in his own zone and get it out with control. And you know who that was, nerds? That was Tony D'Angelo. TD. And that, to me, is just like... It's a valuable skill. That is, in the modern game, you need to be able to do that. That is a, a, you know, we don't really have the equivalent, Joe, of like, you know, like the five-tool player in baseball for hockey. Um, but like if, if I had a five tool, you know, kind of category for defensemen, I would make that one of the most important tools right up there with being able to, uh, you know, defend, uh, in an, an efficient fashion. But that is part of defending in an efficient fashion, isn't it? It is a huge part of it because when you're out in the ice, like, uh, you know, teams have to, you know, one of the biggest threats I think with Eric Carlson is you don't want to make mistakes in the offensive zone because he turns those mistakes into goals. Because he's just that good in transition. He's that good when he decides to join the rush and, you know, even when he's playing on one hip or one ankle. But, um, yeah, I that, that D'Angelo contract is fascinating, but you and I both agree what happens with Kreider is really going to end up shaping the roster one way or another because, you know, uh, uh, the Rangers, as you said, did... Uh, we should, I guess we'll transition over to this now, buddy. The Rangers uh, do have that second buyout window, and you asked me to look it up for you. Um, the clubs are permi- permitted to perform a buyout outside the regular period during the 48-hour period. Well, 48 hours, not even 72. The third day after the final of A, the settlement of the club's final arbitration case, or B, the receipt of the club's last arbitration award. So it is kind of a flexible thing de- dependent on one of those two events, and that is from... Uh, for those who are curious um, on, on the commute and you want to look it up later or if you're on the train, that the best place to look for that stuff is catfriendly.com. And then the FAQs. And go to the buyout FAQ and get a good idea of what uh, what the terminology is and what the restrictions are. So that is an August date, more than likely. Yeah, um, just, date yeah just based just on what the Rangers a have. A quick note is uh, when I was doing my piece about the Rangers cap crunch, where I think I actually mixed up the... Uh, how much money is saved when they bury the contracts of Bolesky and Smith, which was my goof. It was like a $2 million difference, so it wasn't insignificant, but Tom caught it and fixed it for me. Tom's um, the best. He is the best. The absolute goddamn best. Um, you, the Rangers will n- no longer have that uh, that cheap buyout option of Ryan Strom that they had beforehand. That expired with the June 30th buyout deadline. Um, you cannot do that, uh, that second buyout in this extra buyout period because his cap hit is under the 3.455 million um, uh, cutoff. God, I talked about this, Michael. Yeah, it's because Strom is only makes 3.1. So Not yeah. not enough. I, I And again, his buyout would have been, just because of his age, a very cheap buyout. Yep. But it, yeah, it would have been it's fine. He, he's got to have trade value. Two-thirds, right? Yeah, some of these people think that, that he's going to be the second-line center. So uh, let's transition that to the two players. That would be insane. Surprise. Let's discuss <laughs> the two players who are arbitration bound yep. right now. Bukshnevich and Truba. Who do you want to start with, Michael? Well, let's start with Truba because he's the 
he is like Panarin in many ways. I, if if Truba doesn't sign a seven-year deal, I would be very surprised. Astounded. Yeah, like I would be surprised. I would be really shocked if it's a six-year deal. Like anything less than seven would be like, what what's happening here? Why did you know? Why would you not lock this guy up for eternity, knowing what you got? Like, in in many ways, it's already a huge win considering the price that the Rangers paid, which was just so reasonable considering the fact that they just got, you know, their top pair right side defenseman for the better part of the next decade. But, you know, I know uh, Larry Brooks has suggested 7.5. Seven, seven I've heard somewhere around the ballpark at 7. I think he'll probably come in around 7.2. Yeah, I think he'll be around 7 as well. And, um, you know, the bottom line is, I know there's been some skepticism from Rangers fans who might not know him very well because of the fact that he played in Winnipeg, but uh, like this is this is a guy who you do want to lock up. This is not like Brady Shea. This is a guy who think about how excited the Rangers were about Brady Shea and multiply that by three or four times. This is a guy who's proven he is a top pair defenseman, not a guy who's been trying to establish himself in that role. He's also a guy who's been able to succeed in Winnipeg despite having some tough. Uh, you know some tough circumstances with his you know contract negotiations and things being drawn out over there and you know him being kind of um, trade speculation and trade bait for a long time however you want to put it on the block and yeah i want him locked up for a long long time if that means 7.4 or 7.5 million uh so be it he's the, the craziest thing about him, Joe, to me, the thing that just blows my mind... Is his wild age. card? No, is his age. He's just, yeah, he's only 25. He's, only, he's been in the league forever. He's only two years older than D'Angelo. Like it's, he's, and, he's and Neil Pionk, who he was traded for, by the way. He's the so, same age as Brady Shea. Here, let me, let's also bring this into the discussion, because I think it's important. If you're a listener of the show, Mike and I have discussed this before being... Um, Educators, if you will, Michael. So if you don't know what arbitration is, I will explain it to you very quickly. Arbitration is literally basically a court hearing. There is a third-party arbiter who makes a decision um, on how much of a salary the player is worth. They go in like a court case, two sides, the player and the team. Both of them give a number that they think the player deserves. The player is obviously higher. So in this case, if we think Truba is going to come in around $7 million, Truba would probably ask for $8 million. The Rangers would probably ask for $7 million. And then 99% of the time, the arbiter comes in directly between the two of them and picks a number in the middle. The reason why arbitration is scary is because you're literally making a case against the player in front of the player. Yeah, You're bringing up all of the negative things you about a player. You can hurt some feelings. We heard there were rumors that Mike Milbury made. Who was it? Um, who was the goalie? Mike Milbury made a goalie cry, an Islander goalie. He's famous. I don't know. He made him cry in arbitration. Let me uh, let me let me tell you what arbitration is like. Let's say you're a guy. Okay, your name is Donald, and you buy a car that's a push to start car, and you normally park it in your garage, it was but Tommy's you don't. Yellow. You, you leave, it was Tom Salo, you're absolutely correct. You leave the car in your driveway 
and you leave the push to start in the car and you don't lock the car. Let's say some hooligans, Michael, okay? They come and they get into your car and they realize the key is in the car and they steal the car because it's a push to start and you didn't put it in the garage for some reason and you left the keys in for some reason and you didn't lock the car for some reason. All right, let's say all that stuff happens. And then the hooligans take the car for a joyride and they destroy the car in a swamp. This is just, a, I'm making this up, this a swamp, random example. A nearby convenient swamp. Um, you just, you, you crash the car into a community swamp and your name is done. In the event that that happens, that's what arbitration is like. You're taking a car, which in this case is the restricted free agent, and you're leaving it there so that somebody else can come and take the car for a joyride. The arbiter gives a, a decision. The Rangers famously walked away from Nikolai Zherdev, um quite a few years ago. I think I was in college, actually, maybe 2008. 3.9 or 3.6. I think it was 3.6, and the Rangers walked away making him an unrestricted free agent. So you don't want to – Truba's already had enough bad blood in Winnipeg, you don't want to continue that process in arbitration. There's no reason to assume that that would. But much like this fictional person, Don, um, and his car, you don't want to take a guy to arbitration. There's no reason to wreck the RFA in a swamp for no reason because you left the keys in the car and you didn't lock the car. Yeah. And it wasn't in the garage. It's it was in the driveway. To, you never wanted to reach the arbitration hearing. Like A lot of times what happens is teams will kind of settle just before, especially if there's, uh, you know, some sort of blockade or, you know, I know last year it got tense with uh, with Hayes, right, where it was just like, okay, well, what, what will happen here? And then we ended up with a one-year Kevin Hayes deal, and it was, you know... We kind of the writing was on the wall. Yeah, then we then we knew what was coming after that. And then the you know the other thing too is, it's just it has to be very difficult to sit in a room and look at a player, especially a player of Truba's character, right, and class, who you just signed and you want him around and you've made it very clear that he's an important part of your future and you're so excited to get him. Yeah, and then you sit in front of a judge and and you're just and like. Hey, here's all the things you do poorly, you son of a bitch. That's not good. The Rangers Rangers and Dubinsky went to arbitration, didn't they? And that created some bad blood during those negotiations. Um, it's just not a great situation. It's it's not necessary. It's a tool that's utilized. I'm surprised at how often it's utilized, especially when, like I said, 99% of the time, and that's a number I'm making up, but I bet it's goddamn close. The arbiter comes in literally in the middle of the two. If you say six and they say five, it's five and a half. If you say 10 and they say five, it's seven and a half. It's just the way that the arbiter works. And, um, yeah, so I don't think Truba's going to get there. I think he's going to sign for a seven-year deal around $7 million, and that'll be that. Buchnevich, again, there's really no there, there's no benefit to doing it. The Rangers would certainly have more of a case for keeping the number down for Buchnevich, but his like the numbers that we're talking about I don't think are far off from what he's asking for. Otherwise, we would have heard of it already. I think the Twins have him projected at two years at 2.8, and I feel like two at two years at $3 million, Especially if you're, you know, if you're telling him, like, you know, Booch, we want you to play in the top six, take some heat off of Kravstov and Kako when necessary. You know, if they need a little more sheltering than, you know, maybe some of the hype train might not like to believe. But, you know, you can play Pavel Buchnevich as a top-line winger. Especially Absolutely. If, you know, especially if he's playing with Artemi Panarin. And the Rangers oh, probably should, at least in the beginning, unless they want to put Kako there. So, but Buchnevich and Panarin. 
Uh, it would be so. They would just talk Russian back and forth. No one would be able so. to understand them except for other Russians. And then just Mika in the middle and just playing DJ beats. BBZ. BBZ. Yeah, BBZ. But yeah, that is that is one where I feel like just because of, you know, how Buchnevich has kind of been treated or, or viewed in some ways by uh, by the Rangers front office, I think. And the way he's been kind of jerked around by Vino uh, before Quinn and then but I really feel like Quinn had a breakthrough with him. And I'm I'm not just saying that. I feel like Quinn Are we talking about Buchnevich now? Because yeah. there were quite a few play like D'Angelo and Buchnevich, I think you could easily say like Quinn had a breakthrough with. Yeah, that was Buch's the the way that Quinn kind of like there were not a lot of players who looked better, like significantly better or more confident after the trade deadline, you know, like after the heart of the team was gutted, gutted out with Zuccarello. But Booch was one of those guys where it was like around that time. And after that time, he just went to the net more often. He got more engaged. He, he wasn't just trying to play the perimeter game. He wasn't the player who was, you know, tossing his head up after a missed shot. He was just like, you know, going a little bit harder and, because of all that i'm just like yeah you know what two years three million like let him know like yeah we believe in you uh this is a bridge deal just to rent you know we want to see what you can do with panarin this is a huge opportunity for you and you know who knows maybe he becomes a guy who you know even with all this these exciting kids on the roster you know maybe he becomes a guy who the rangers can have as a bigger part of the rebuild moving forward i mean booch is he is 24, so it, he's not like quite a kid, but you know he's he's younger than Truba and all that. Like it's, I know there's some people who are kind of trying to boil down what happens at the off season to, you know, like a Kreider or Buchnevich thing, and I don't think that's entirely fair. Like looking at looking at Buchnevich and like you, you get him for a bridge deal at three million a year, and you have a guy you, you go at, from there. Yeah, just kind of go from there, much like the D'Angelo situation. It just We'll, we'll see what it is. There are some guys, I feel like, where, you know, like, whenever the day comes to, uh, you know, where Capo Caco needs, you know, you know, his big contract, like, a bridge contract for a guy like that is, generally speaking, not going to be a good idea because you you know you have a franchise player, right? Like, right. You want that player locked up uh, infinitum. You want them locked up as long as you're allowed to lock them up and hope that, you know, the cap grows and the percentage of the cap that they take up just looks more and more reasonable as the cap increases. Yeah, let me just say this too. You've heard me say this before. I said it about Jimmy VC. I will continue to say it. I will continue to make this point. Generally, when a player is 24, 25 years old, I'm going to say 80% of the time, that player is what they are. And as an example, Jacob Truba will more than likely not find another gear with the New York Rangers than the gear he had in Winnipeg. He might move to a better situation, which I think he will. And that's um, just I th- fine because I'll take and, that. Jacob right, and, and that's that. The, this point isn't about Truba. It's just I talked about it a lot with Jimmy VC. Like people thought David Quinn was going to find the next gear for Jimmy VC. More often than not, that does not happen with a twenty-five-year-old. Generally, the player you get is the player you have, especially as you start eclipsing the 25-year mark. You're really talking about a guy who is what he is. One of the exceptions 
that you have is when a guy has outstanding underlying numbers and hasn't really been given an opportunity to utilize them. And Buchnevich is one of those players. He has very good offensive metrics with the New York Rangers, despite the fact that he hasn't seen until really the end of last year with Quinn a legitimate role with the team. I don't think Buchnevich is going to be a point-per-game guy. I don't even know if Buchnevich can be a 65-plus point guy. But I do think there's optimistic reasons to say if Buchnevich plays in the top six all of next year, especially with the new talent the Rangers brought in, he's going to be a much better hockey player than you've seen. But even he, at 24, is getting to, and I, I think I mentioned this a couple of shows ago, as much as it pains me to say this about my large adult son, he's getting to the shit or get off the pot stage, where at some point you need to prove that there is potential here, otherwise you're just a great depth player, what you are. And Chris Crowder is a great example of, I think it's very fair to say Chris Crowder never hit his quote-unquote potential, Right. He never became that 40-goal sniping player that he was projected to be at a Boston College when he was a monster. But he's still a very useful player for the Rangers, as seen by the fact that we're having conversations about whether or not it's wise for the Rangers to keep him, despite the fact they have Panarin, Kako, and Krofstov coming up through the ranks. Yeah, what you're so, suggesting th- is there might be another gear to put There could be. I don't think it's going to be anything drastic, but I'm also saying that if, it, if there's not, if Buchnevich is a 45-point guy, who puts up good underlying numbers and just isn't a complete tire fire in his own end, there's value there. I think he can be a 55, 60. And I, I think so too. But I, I think the days, like two years ago, I would have told you Buchnevich could have been a 70-point player and yeah. believed it, honestly. Yeah, but, but you know, there is, it's one of those things that we talk about these things like we talk about a player's potential, right? Like we'll talk about what Heedle and Anderson can be and we talk about, all right, well, like what's a realistic ceiling? The ceiling doesn't mean like one, it doesn't mean the most likely projection of what that player will develop into. And two, it doesn't mean that it's a failure that Chris Kreider didn't become the the dominant power forward who scores 40 goals a year. It would have been great, Joe. Like, yeah, sign me up for that player. That didn't happen. And you know what? He's still a very, very good player. And with Buchnevich, I feel like there is another gear there. And I'm, I'm tantalized and excited because of what Quinn was able to bring out of him, especially in the second half of of last season. And to me, that's just like, yeah, I don't want to move Buchnevich. Um, if there's some sort of really compelling deal where the Rangers can bring in a young center uh, to kind of, you know, establish what they have at, you know, at the center position and provide a little more security, then, you know, I'd be open to it. Anyone on this team except for the handful of guys can be traded. But no, I'm I'm all good with with the plan of Butchnevich moving forward in the rebuild. Yeah, and if or the build, what do we call it now, Joe? Is it the build now? It's well, I I really like my metaphor of taking like a plane taking off. I think the Rangers, like the nose of the plane, is off the ground for sure at this point. I don't know if the Rangers will catch air this year, but the nose of the plane is off the ground. Um, How many? Wins all right, we went. Got? We went longer than we thought we were going to. We're going to jump into the Q&A. But before we do that, um, I want to give a heartfelt and very serious thank you to everybody who listens to this show. Um, I feel like the past and reads the website, actually, which I I believe you have to be one and the same. Um, This past month. The website has seen June was our second highest month of all time. Um, free agency day with Panarin. We saw the, the highest traffic day Blue Shirt Panther ever had. Um, we broke download and listenership records on the podcast for 
last week was the most we've ever had since joining the Vox Podcasting Network in a week, and that broke the record that we set two weeks before when the Rangers traded for Truba. Um, after I put out my call to arms to all of you, 10 five-star reviews came in, and everybody was super nice. We appreciate those. Please, please, please keep giving them to us. Subscribe to us on iTunes. You Tell your friends guys. about us. Um, if you are somebody who is a patron, you get stickers. We've sent out stickers. If you're in the $10 tier, we've sent out mugs. Um, Mike and I are trying to do as much as we can in that regard. But if you want some of those awesome swag things, please donate to the Patreon. Um, we're using it to help do things like use this recording app and get better equipment and all the fun stuff that you've kind of seen the show take on a more professional feel because of. Um and yes, the support has been outstanding. This is a very, uh, I don't know if I want to use the word difficult, but very hectic time in my life. My wife is going to give birth in three weeks to a baby boy. I'm going to have to um, post the show for a while. Yeah, Mike is going to have a couple of weeks on his own. Um, some, Or maybe not, who knows. A lot, some, of be- a lot of beer and a lot of talking to Tom of, and Shana. A lot of beer, place. Tom and Shana, some, some job turmoil. Mike is, is in the same boat in that regard, and it's not easy to do this. Um, and I, I'm not trying to say that out of pity, but, you know, it, it takes a lot of time and effort for Mike and I oh, to put this together. So we, 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 you know, we are silly. We talk, uh, we go off the rails a bunch and we have fun, but we do take putting in, you know, we want to make an informative and entertaining show. Um, and when we, we get support from you guys in the, the form of patrons, you know, those who can afford that, if you can't afford that, you're someone who left us a review on iTunes, or you're someone who told a friend just, you know, at a at a sports bar on your morning commute, you told someone at work that this is the show you listen to, all those things help in a big way. And I'm sorry because right now my, my cat is in my room making noise. Franklin the robot. Um, and yeah, so it... Why, Frank? This This stuff is very fun because of you guys, because of the support we get, because of the questions we get. I'm going to say this on the Q&A show too, but somebody reached out to me privately if they don't have a Twitter. So the there are ways that you can get questions on the show. If you're a Patreon supporter, you can send us a direct message um, through Patreon and we will get to your question that way. Um, I haven't really... create an account on Blue Shirt Banner and if you see a... Uh... Yeah, but do we do we check that regular like well, that'll I get can, missed. I we have a habit to do that. We have too many comments I think for that. Otherwise, I'll tell you this. Send me an email if you want with the question. Um, my email is rangersreport at gmail.com. Literally rangersreport. Um, and I had that when I first started I started a blog called Rangers Report, actually, believe it or not, on WordPress back in 2008, and that was how I got picked up on SB Nation, and we went from there. But yeah, not to get too sappy, but thank you all for donating. Thank you all for coming together. If you want to ask questions and you're not on Twitter and you're not a Patreon supporter, send me an email, um, and I will make sure that it gets read. Um, in the meantime, Adam Nowick, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Armael Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Andy from New Jersey, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Chris Habibi. Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor. You ready for this, Michael? We have two new people who get shout outs. CJ Vivola, Vivola, Clark Carroll. You know what they are, Michael? They're getting mugs in a couple of months. Um, Joe's. Craig Loshlin. I'm not at the Jays yet, you dick. Um, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zatlowski, James Dangles. Two more new ones. Jeffrey Stein, Jermaine. Sorry, Jermaine, your name goes too long. Francis. No Joe's. John Reppy, Johnny Allo, Jordan Sassone, Joshua Zarkin, Joe Fortunato. Hmm. Keith Franchillo, Matt from Brooklyn, Guy from Montana, Michael Alessante, Michael Canick, Michael Marcus. Tell me about those Michaels. Oh, there's way more Michaels. 
Michael Scott, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Panero in 2020, Sammy Vogel, another new patron, Stephanie Benvengo. I'm pretty sure I got that one right, Stephanie. That Tell me if I didn't. That is a great last name. Um, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, another new one, The Tin Man, and Thomas Osa. The Tin Man. Oh, wait. Hang on. There's a second page. Trevor Kepner. Didn't want to forget about you, buddy. Um, thank you all for donating. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for the support. And um, we love you. I want you. you all to know that I successfully opened my bottle of beer with a letter opener. And I didn't stab my own hand. Mike is a walrus. <laughs>